is Sarah Lemon, author of the Whole Dish blog and food writer for the Mail Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. You can find it online at mailtribune.com forward slash podcasts and on my blog, The Whole Dish at blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food. One of the recent posts to my blog and my most recent column in the Mail Tribune's weekly food section a la carte have been delving into pestos. And pestos is a concept rather than a recipe, meaning they can incorporate any kind of leafy green, any kind of fat, but you can really play with kind of the gamut of nuts. It can be dairy-free and get their savor from something else, maybe like fish sauce, for example, and really can sort of play in a global pantry that includes Thai dishes and Middle Eastern dishes. And I gave examples of how to do that in my column, also titled The Whole Dish, in the Mail Tribune. And that was published in the May 8th edition. Also on May 8th, as sort of companion to that, I posted a podcast about a pasta dish that wasn't a pesto per se, but it was sort of had a pesto aesthetic to it, like a pesto feel. And didn't use a leafy green unless you count broccoli heads as a leafy green. But the way that they were cooked caused them to break down, kind of disintegrate a little bit and form a sauce around the pasta that was very much like a pesto. So you can find that podcast at mailtribune.com forward slash podcasts. And that is on May 8th under the headline, Broccoli Pasta? I think (laughs) actually the headline should have been Broccoli Pesto, but there you have it. So rather than make this podcast all about pestos, which I, I feel has really been thoroughly, thoroughly explored, even though, again, one of my more recent posts from May 16th does give yet another recipe for pesto, garlic scape pesto, which I happen to love. And to my regrets, we do not have garlic in our garden this year, which of course produces escape. That is the flowering part of the plant. It sends up this long stem with a you know tight little like bud at the end, which if allowed to open will turn into the garlic's flower. And most gardeners take those off just believing that more of the energy is going to be concentrated in the bulb, which is where you want it if you're harvesting garlic, rather than allowing the plant to sort of expend its energy in that flowering going to seed process. And, you know, the scapes are often just discarded. I love them. They are just juicy and pungent in a delicate way still, you know, garlic flavored, but, you know, something herbaceous with it. And they kind of have a gourmet connotation, but they're, they're really just kind of a byproduct of growing garlic. And again, a lot of people just discard them, which sort of baffles me because they are absolutely delicious, sliced up and sauteed with mushrooms and sort of used in the way you would use scallions but also in this really, really delicious pesto that is posted to my blog on May 16th under the headline Garlic Scape Spur Escape from Typical Pesto. That recipe actually originated with the Chicago Tribune with a 
pretty interesting technique for dry braising chicken breast that I think really deserves to be checked out. But the garlic skate pesto itself is one that I have made many, many times. It's super, super straightforward with just, you know, the scapes, which you can get at a farmer's market if you don't grow garlic and don't have some other source, you know, know people who garden. They are available this time of year at farmer's markets. And this also uses some basil leaves. You could use another type of herb, parsley perhaps, lemon, zest and juice, Parmesan cheese. Very, very easy to make in the food processor. And one that I would really recommend, just add a little bit of a different note to your to your springtime dishes. I happen to pick up my garlic skate pesto, fortunately, at ready-made, pre-made at one of the local farmer's markets. And that was a great find that I fully intend to use until I have scapes of my own again, perhaps next year. But this is the time of year when all of those alliums, those, this, the tender parts and and versions of them are available from scallions, which we have in abundance in our garden, to spring onions, which are actual bulbing onion varieties that just harvested small before the greens have started to wither away. These are all available, again, at local farmer's markets and, and some grocery stores even. Spring onions will be available sort of for a short window. And if you don't typically cook with them, they're worth checking out, of course, and using their greens fully as well, because that's just something you don't get with um, the larger bulbs that are intended more for storage. So I would definitely recommend that. And to that end, I posted under the headline, Simmer Succulent Chicken and Spring Onion Salsa more of a traditional method for braising chicken in a liquid. And it's this really, really delicious spring onion salsa verde. And this recipe came from the Los Angeles Times. Just another way to do chicken in the oven. I tend to do a lot of sheet pan chicken and kind of have some of the same flavor repertoire that I fall back on pretty often. But I do love salsa verde. And when tomatillos aren't in season yet, I mean, I actually made a big batch last year with some oven roasted spring onions and some tomatillos. This is a just a nice seasonal alternative featuring spring onions, although you could also use baby leeks or scallions, but you have to adjust the quantity for the actual weight of the vegetable. So it calls for about half a pound of spring onions, which would maybe be three baby leeks, you're going to need to use about six, or if you really are going to use scallions, and mine happen to sort of be bulbing actually in my garden. They've been overwintered now for for months, so they are starting to resemble spring onion, but you are still going to need to arrive at about eight ounces weight, which might be 20 scallions if you got large scallions like I do, maybe 15 or so. A half a cup loosely packed cilantro leaves and the soft stems, not the real tough ones. A half a cup of white wine, kosher salt, and freshly ground black pepper. Two garlic cloves, and, and this specifies almond size, which I do think is nice to specify the size because, of course, garlic cloves can range from enormous <laughs> to like the size of your thumbnail. So it's a helpful reference. A serrano chili and four, somewhere in the range of six to eight ounce bone in skin on chicken thighs. 
some crumbled queso fresco or cotija cheese for garnish as well as sliced avocado lime wedges for serving and you could do this with rice you could do this with some kind of bread tortillas of course would be um, in keeping with all the other flavors this recipe for chicken thighs braised in spring onion salsa is on the current post in my blog the whole dish that was posted on may 20th under the headline simmer succulent chicken and spring onion salsa so I thought that I would present this now in this podcast and can follow along in your own kitchen or earmark this one and, and make it later referencing my blog. It's very straightforward and really, really adds a ton of flavor to bone-in, skin-on chicken thighs in sort of just one step making the salsa verde and then letting it all braise in the oven. So it starts by preparing the onions, again, eight ounces of spring onions, which are onions that have bulbed but aren't real large with the greens attached. And that's maybe about three onions. Rinse and dry them. Peel off any dried or brown outer leaves from the white parts and trim off just the dried out kind of woody tips from the the greens, anything that just doesn't look green and fresh. Then thinly slice the white and green parts from the onions and reserve a small handful of both the white part and the green part for garnishing the finished dish. This dish is obviously very, very prominent in onion flavor for for those of us who, who like onions cooked and raw. Place the remaining sliced spring onions, the the majority of them, into a blender or food processor along with the cilantro. And again, that's about a half a cup loosely packed cilantro leaves and the soft stems with the half cup white wine, three quarter teaspoon salt, a half teaspoon pepper, the two garlic cloves that have been peeled. Again, we're looking for about the size of an almond here and the serrano chili that has been stemmed. And if you want to remove the seed or milder salsa verde, leave them in if you like a really spicy sauce. Combine all that in the food processor bowl or blender and process or blend until it's very smooth, which will probably only take about 30 seconds. Meanwhile, it can be heating the oven to 425 degrees and season the chicken thighs. Again, this is calls for four, six to eight ounces a piece all over with some salt and pepper and then place them skin side down in a large oven proof skillet just wide enough to fit them all in a single layer and place the skillet over medium high heat on your stovetop. We haven't transferred this to the oven yet. Once the skin starts sizzling, continue to cook the thighs undisturbed until they're well browned for six to eight minutes is about how long it's going to take. Flip them over skin side up onto a plate and pour off the fat that's accumulated. I like to save rendered chicken fat. I'm one of those people who very often just uses saved fat. And I've done podcasts on this about bacon fat. I also um, will be talking in my upcoming column this week about lamb fat that I render from roasting bones for soup stock. Pour that off the baking sheet into a container and that can be saved for cooking. This just makes for very, very savory dishes that don't even necessarily have to have meat, but have that satisfying meat quality when you start some rice or another type of whole grain with 
toasting in fat first before adding liquid. Of course, there's many other uses. I like to pop my popcorn in my rendered chicken fat. It's delicious. So once you've removed as much fat as you care to from the skillet, pour the spring onion salsa verde from the food processor blender into the pan and bring it up to a boil. Return the thighs at that point to the skillet, skin sides up this time, trying to keep those somewhat crispy while immersing the rest of the meat in that sauce and letting it cook through. And then place the skillet in the oven and braise until the chicken is cooked through, the skin is crisp, and the salsa is going to reduce slightly, of course, and get just a little caramelized on the surface. And this is going to take about 25 minutes. Remove the skillet from the oven and sprinkle the chicken and salsa with a queso fresco and those reserved pieces of spring onion. And serve this with the avocado, lime wedges, and sort of starch of choice. Again, tortillas would be very, very in keeping here. You could also consider rice or maybe quinoa as well would be would be nice. And that makes four to six servings of chicken thighs braised in spring onion salsa verde. That's a recipe from the Los Angeles Times on the current post to my blog from May 20th. Simmer succulent chicken and spring onion salsa. And that is on the whole dish. Blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food. Thank you for listening to the whole dish.